You're listening to Nutrition Matters Podcast with Paige Smathers, Registered Dietitian Nutritionist. Nutrition Matters Podcast explores how to approach food and your body in a whole new way. I interview people who share stories and expertise in rejecting diet culture, making peace with food, and discovering a more positive, realistic, and sustainable approach to health and well-being. I'm Paige Smathers, Registered Dietitian Nutritionist and owner of Positive Nutrition, an in-person nutrition therapy practice in Salt Lake City, Utah. I offer free resources, including this podcast, a blog, and posts on social media. If you're local to Salt Lake City, check out our services and availability for appointments and keep your eyes out for in-person groups on mindfulness, intuitive eating, body image resilience, and more. Go to positive-nutrition.com and hit subscribe if you'd like to keep in touch. I also offer online courses covering topics like the science of nutrition, mindfulness, and healing your relationship with food. Check those out at positive-nutrition.com slash academy. If you like what you hear on the podcast, you can make a difference by leaving a review, sharing with friends and family, or making a donation. Thank you so much for your support. You can also find me on Instagram or Facebook if you'd like to have a little more food for thought at Paige Smathers RD. Thank you so much for listening. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Nutrition Matters Podcast. This is Paige Smathers. I'm your host, and I'm super pumped to bring you this conversation all about hitting diet rock bottom with my friend Jennifer McGurk, who is a registered dietitian in Nyack, New York. Uh, She is the owner of a private practice in Nyack, New York, and she's also the host of multiple online courses, some for individuals, some for professionals. You can find her work at eatwithknowledge.com and also pursuingprivatepractice.com. Uh, Jennifer and I chat about what it's like to hit diet and body image rock bottom. How do you know, how do you detect if you're there? Uh, we also talk about um, what you can do, like what are some practical steps you can actually do to kind of work through uh, rock bottom. And I really loved this conversation. We talked about the scale. We talked about putting weight loss on the back burner. We talked about what does it look like to heal your relationship with food. So these are a lot of questions that I work through with clients and a lot of questions that I get just um, on social media and through emails. And I'm really excited to put a resource out there that kind of highlights a lot of common questions we both get as dietitians in this space. So thank you so much for joining me. Before we dive right on in, I do want to mention that This month for the Positive Nutrition Academy, I'm putting on a webinar for registered dietitians. I reference it just a little bit in this podcast episode. It's called Navigating Burnout for Registered Dietitian Nutritionists. And I'm actually really, really excited about this because um, there's just, there's a lot of really, really great things that we can do as clinicians to help us maintain our energy levels and stay true to our values and kind of assess where we are as far as our our feelings of burnout. And so as I've studied this and dove into it, I've just been really excited about this topic. So check that out. Uh, it's in the show notes, or you can also find it at positive-nutrition.com slash academy. Now, if you're new to the podcast, or if you're not sure what I'm talking about with the Positive Nutrition Academy, what that is, is I, I have three online courses on the in the Positive Nutrition Academy right now. Those are longer courses. They take you a while to work through. I have one about the science of nutrition called Positive Nutrition 101. I have one about healing your relationship with food called Positive Nutrition for Life. And then I have one about mindfulness and eating called the Mindful Eating Workshop. All three are different and fun and have lots of cool things about them. So check those out. The Academy also... Um, puts on a webinar every single month. So you can either sign up for the webinars as they happen, or you can also look back at previous webinars that are recorded and available through the Academy. So I have some in the in the Academy for lay people and some for clinicians. These are around an hour long and they're um, anywhere from about 20 to $45. So those are fun. If you have You know, if you need help with meal planning or if you're confused about what intuitive eating is or if you're a clinician who's interested in acceptance and commitment therapy, check it out. There's lots of great resources there and more to come. Uh, So this month, the month of July, is all about burnout for dietitians. So check that out. 
Okay, and with that, let's get into talking with Jennifer McGurk all about hitting diet rock bottom. And before we dive in, I do just want to say one quick thing. We mentioned this in the podcast episode, but just right up front, it's okay if you haven't hit diet rock bottom. You don't need to hit rock bottom in order to work on your relationship with food. So don't misunderstand what we're saying here as uh, everybody needs to hit rock bottom and then magical things happen and you learn and you can figure this stuff out. Intuitive eating and working on your relationship with food is accessible and appropriate for pretty much anybody who um, who wants to work on their relationship with food. So whether or not you identify as hitting rock bottom or ha- have hit rock bottom in the past, this stuff is still for you. So keep listening and enjoy and thanks for being here. Hi, Jennifer. Welcome to Nutrition Matters Podcast. Hi, Paige. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I'm so excited too. This topic, I think, will be incredibly helpful for lots of people out there. So, And I couldn't think of anyone better to chat about it with. So thanks for joining me. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so excited too. So Jennifer, tell us about you and kind of what you do generally. And then we'll also talk a little bit, we'll dive in a little bit to your story after you share about yourself sort of more generally. Okay. No, that's great. So I am Jennifer McGurk. I am a registered dietitian. I'm also a certified eating disorders registered dietitian and a clinical supervisor. My private practice is Eat With Knowledge in Nyack, New York. So that's about 45 minutes north of New York City. And I love my group practice. I have an associate that works with me, but I also do a lot of work with other dietitians in helping them build an intuitive eating private practice. So I love like the clinical space with working with clients. And I also love the business side of running a successful intuitive eating business. Yeah. So you, your workload is diversified kind of like mine where it's like, yeah, you see clients, but you also have other irons in the fire. Yes. Paige, we have very similar, I think, professional goals in the sense that we help both people and professionals, which I really love. I love both sides of it. Yeah. I, you know, actually this is kind of funny. I'm just very organically going to share. I just, um, recorded a webinar about burnout as a dietitian. And that was one of the things that I talked about, just the value of seeing where you might be able to diversify your workload and your income streams, just because, the one-to-one work is so awesome, but it also can be really uh, exhausting. So sounds like you, you and I both agree on that. <laughs> yes, yes. It's so funny that you talk about burnout because I know today we're talking to people about like hitting rock bottom. I think as clinicians, we can also hit rock bottom in a sense, in a different sense, but we can be you know, in that burnout zone if we don't take care of our own boundaries and our own work and our own self-care and you do what we can do to be the best human beings and professionals that we can be. Oh, Absolutely. totally. Yeah, that that topic is fascinating because yeah, like you said, we're we're going to be talking about uh, hitting rock bottom as a as a human um, with food and with body image today. But it's also what I love about the work that I get to do and the work you get to do is that we you can't work on this stuff with our clients and not have it apply to us personally. So there's a lot of themes that end up really, as I learn about counseling techniques or philosophy of like mindfulness or something like that. It's so, it's so cool how it can also be very applicable on the clinician side. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Okay. So Jennifer, tell us a little bit about kind of what brought you into the field of nutrition. What interested you to become a dietitian, kind of share a little bit about your story. Okay. No, I love it. And I hope that my story inspires other people out there that it is a journey full of lots of ups and downs, but that at the end of the journey, it can be a very, very beautiful learning experience and you can grow as both a human being and a professional. So I, my story actually does begin in high school when I started my own eating disorder. And it was just a very, I want to say stereotypical eating disorder in the sense that I had some bad body image. I had some anxiety, mental health stuff. And I just thought that as a lot of people do, that weight loss would cure it all. So I started a really, really restrictive eat like way of eating that turned into more binge eating disorder as I got like through my senior year of high school and also into college. And of course, being the personality that I had, I thought being a dietitian and being a nutrition major would really help me solve 
everything that I was, that was going on in my life with nutrition. So that's actually how I got to be a nutrition major at Penn State University, struggling with food and body image issues. But I'm so happy that that was my actual path because when I was about 23, 24 years old, I did hit my own rock bottom, got myself into treatment, got therapy, and just really blossomed into this professional that is all about eating disorder recovery and intuitive eating for other people because I've lived that story and I feel so thankful that I've recovered and I want to share that with everybody else. Mm. So you were already a dietitian when you went into treatment, is that right? Yes. Yes. So I was a dietitian for, I think it was six to nine months. I was a very, very new dietitian. So I struggled in high school internship. And like the first part of my career, I was a diabetes dietitian, like as my first job. Um, but it was a very much, tra- I want to say traditional, because I feel like traditional is changing. I really feel like it's finally changing when I say traditional dietetics, but I was a very traditional dietitian in the sense that I focused on weight loss. And with diabetes back then, it was so much like a oh, lifestyle change. And I have that in quotes because I know so much more now. I don't like to use those terms, but it was very much all about like helping people lose weight. And in the background of myself, I was struggling as well. So when I decided to get help, it's kind of at the same time that I found intuitive eating. Like I found intuitive eating. I said, I really, really want to be an intuitive eater. I want to get over this food stuff. I want to recover. So at the same time, like I was on my own journey with my eating disorder, and then also realizing that I didn't want to do this traditional dietitian role anymore. And I wanted to step into more of a weight inclusive health at every size role because those principles really helped save me. I wanted them to help other people. Yeah. Wow. That sets the tone for understanding like why, why you feel so passionately about sharing this message. It's like very personal for you. Oh yeah. It, I mean, I have to say it saved my personal life and my professional life very, very, very much at the same time, because I was feeling like as a dietitian back then, like this isn't working. I don't really like it. I'm just not passionate about weight loss. Like it doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for anyone else. Like what am I doing? And then finding like the health at every size approach and finding weight inclusive and finding intuitive eating, that was just, it spoke to me so much, not only as a person, but as a professional. And I didn't even realize, I mean, it sounds so silly because I feel like looking back 15 years ago, it was very much a radical approach, but it was so amazing to find something that really spoke to me and that helped heal my relationship with food. And then I could actually put that into practice for my professional career. Oh, that is so meaningful to have it affect you in your professional and personal domain. Like that's, I mean, I couldn't think of something more life-changing. Yeah, no, I'm so, I, I, like I said, it's a journey and full of ups and downs, but I would not change it for the world. It gave me so much of a great perspective being a client. So what did, what did diet rock bottom look like for you? Like when you say yeah. you hit your own rock bottom, what, what was that as much as you want to share? Yeah, yeah. So so I don't mind sharing at all because, I mean, if I do share, hopefully it helps someone else out there. But my eating disorder that I struggled with was binging. And I feel like I just had this one really crazy week. And I remember, you know, things after work every single night. And I was trying to be so, quote unquote, good during the day because we were all eating out and, you know, going out and having a really good time after work. And I had, I think I had something Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It was just a very social week for me. And by the end of the week, I was just feeling so out of control with food. So that was rock bottom. And I still remember finding a therapist on, it wasn't health profs because that's actually what dietitians use, but it's um, uh, psychology today, finding a therapist and got myself into treatment that Friday night. I emailed, I was like, I don't want to live like this anymore. And it was really the best decision I ever could have made. Like she's the one that introduced me to the concepts of intuitive eating, although I had heard about it and really wanted to be an intuitive eater before I started therapy. But she's the one that I worked out or worked through so many different things with. And I'm so thankful for that experience being in therapy with her, being in treatment. That's so interesting that you as a dietitian sought out treatment with a therapist who then kind of gently educated you about intuitive eating. The reason I I highlight this is I I have so many clients coming in, working with me with with a great deal of shame. And they're like, well, I already know a lot about nutrition. I just, I just don't, 
I just don't do it. Right. That's like, that's something mm-hmm. I hear all the time. And, and I, I like to tell my clients, like, sometimes you know a lot and that doesn't necessarily mean that you have it all figured out or that on a practical level, it, it looks quote healthy. And by healthy, I just mean balanced and, and healthy for you as a human being, as a whole human being. So mm-hmm. I love that. Thanks for sharing that. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no problem. And I actually wish I saw the dietitian back then. I mean, this was so long ago. This was almost actually probably 13, 14 years ago. I wish I saw a dietitian back then. I actually have had dietitians in my practice. And I feel like it is so amazing to work with other people that are in the field. Like that's a whole nother podcast episode in and of itself, but it is so rewarding. And just, there's no shame in getting the help that you need. And I want people to know that from the bottom of my heart, like the help is worth it. It's not, it's not all educational needs. It's, it's a lot of it is more like, the, the art side of it, I like to call. So the, the part that's like, okay, what does this look like in real life? And how do I navigate this thought? And what about that? You know, and, and some of that is, is not like fact versus fiction and logic. Some of it's more like heart work, you know? Mm -hmm. Definitely. Definitely. Okay. So thanks for sharing that about your story. And it really makes sense why you have gone down the career path you have. And also I'm sure why you are so excited about uh, working with other clinicians to help them kind of have successful practices to be able to do this work in their own communities and in their own um, circles. So I, I totally get it. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So let's talk about rock, like hitting rock bottom in general. What, in your experience as a dietitian, what do you, what do you think of that as far as you, you shared your personal experience with it, but what does it look like for sort of in general terms? How does someone know, wow, I've hit, I've hit diet and body image rock bottom? Yes. Well, so I think first of all, it could be either like an event, like a one-time thing where you know, okay, this is it for me. Or I think it could be just a range of time where you look back and say, I've had the worst month ever or the worst week ever or the worst, whatever it is, like a time range. And I think that rock bottom for me is when your life is really impacted. Like there's something going on that you either want to do, want to go to, or you feel like you have to do certain things and you just cannot do the life thing that you want to do because of the way that you eat. And I would say because of the eating disorder, because of the disordered eating patterns, like that will hold a person back when it comes to living the life that they really want to. Yeah. And as you were talking, I just felt the need to sort of say right up front, we're going to be talking about hitting rock bottom and practical things you can do if you feel like you're, you're resonating with that idea of hitting diet and body image rock bottom. But I also want to say, if you hear us explore this concept of rock bottom and you're like, but I don't feel like I've hit rock bottom, like I'm not there yet, so maybe I don't need a change or something like that. I just want to say, like, you don't need to identify as hitting rock bottom in order to work on your relationship with food, right? Mm, so yeah. So don't hear us say, okay, this is how you know you really need help. Um, and then and then assume that that means that you don't need help because you're not identifying with what we're saying. I think even someone who's who maybe identifies as, you know, I'm I'm feeling pretty good, but I struggle here and there. Like even that person, I think, deserves to spend some time working on their own approach to food and seeing where they might be able to, um, you know, be a little bit more realistic or sustainable or um, healthy in their approach to food. Definitely. And it's so funny when you say hitting rock bottom, I usually do imagine someone just like hard hitting rock bottom. But when you say that page, I also think of someone just gently kind of getting to the bottom. (laughs) Like that could also be it too. So you don't have to have one like huge impactful thing that happens in your life in order to get the help that you need. You can definitely get help no matter if it's little, big, whatever you want to work on. Yeah, for sure. Agree. Okay. So I like what you said about how it, like, it could be just like a moment where you're like, this is not how I want to live anymore. Kind of like what you were saying with your personal story. But it also could be sort of just a downward trend where you're like, oh, I'm spiraling. This last month has just been too much. This is not what I want. This is not what I want out of my life. This is not the way I want to live. Um, so... Mm-hmm. What about the idea of like 
how, are there physical signs or are there emotional signs? You, you kind of mentioned if, if you're not able to go to the events that you want to go to or live the life you want to live, if you're isolating, uh, do you want to expand on that a little bit too? Oh yeah, definitely. So I, so I think that most of those, what you just explained are emotional things, like are the emotional rock bottom where the life that you want to live is not happening because of the way that you eat and because of the way that you feel about your body. But there also could be physical things. You know, I've had people come in and just say like, I am in so much pain because of the way that I eat in terms of whether or not it's binging or restricting, you know, it could go on either end of the eating disorder spectrum. I'm not talking about just one particular eating disorder. Um, but it could be, you know, when someone feels like their body is really just so out of control and they feel just like the, it's kind of a metaphor for their life in a sense where they feel like body image is just not something that they could grasp. You know, I think that that's a physical rock bottom for them. And it really just comes down to it. Like this, like I know that the one moment is basically getting me the help that I need. So it's like whatever is happening in that person's life, they decide in that moment, it's not where they want to be. Like I need treatment or treatment would be beneficial for me. So are are there anything, is there anything good about rock bottom? I, I, I'm just curious to know what you think about that. I would actually say that a lot of good can come from rock bottom. I know that that sounds really crazy sometimes when we think about it because we don't want our clients to be in physical or emotional pain. But sometimes hitting rock bottom is the thing that gets them into treatment or gets them the help that they need when they say, I need a professional helping me. Because so much of the time, like you brought up before, people think they know what to do, but having a professional help them can be so life-changing. So just getting into treatment, maybe even hearing about how the pursuit of weight loss is not helpful, you know, hearing how dieting doesn't work, hearing the that support is really beneficial for any eating disorder, that rock bottom, quote unquote, rock bottom can actually be the start of someone changing their life. Oh, absolutely. Totally agree. I would just add too that, um, you know, when someone, when I have a client who isn't quite sure whether or not diets work, you know, they're kind of on the fence about it. Um, that, that is actually sometimes harder for us to get into the good work of, of creating patterns with eating that are, that are positive for them and that feel good in their body and that give them the energy that they want. Um, that can actually take longer as a process when someone is still sort of skeptical about like, Hmm, I'm like a little bit, I have like one toe in, but one toe out. So not that I want people yeah. to hit rock bottom, but if someone's listening and they're like, oh my gosh, yes, I've hit rock bottom, I kind of think that there's something positive about being just totally convinced that, okay, I know for sure that diets don't work, and so there's got to be a better way. Sometimes the work that I do with clients just is a lot easier when someone already knows that. Yes, I feel like if that is still the case for someone, they might have a little bit more shame than someone that has said diets do not work. Like if someone has one foot in, one foot out, they might still be dealing with like the guilt and the shame that it's their quote unquote, their fault. But if someone is saying like, finally, there's something to blame here. It's the diet. It's not me. I feel like that actually takes the shame away. Yeah, for sure. And it, it's so helpful to know, like, yeah, if you're experiencing this diet rock bottom, like there's a reason we're podcasting about this right now. It's not because you're an alien weirdo who you're the only person on this planet who's ever felt that way. Like this is a very common experience and it's easy when you're in the middle of it to be like, why me? And what am I doing wrong? And I'm the worst. I can't believe it. But I hope that people walk away knowing this is actually maybe a little bit positive. And in retrospect, let's say five, year, five years down the road, you really might look back at this time and be like, that's a moment in my life where things changed, where I changed directions. And if I didn't feel that way, maybe it would have taken me longer to to make this shift and to start working on my well-being. Yes, absolutely. Cool. Yes. Um, so let's see. Tell me about tell me about so we talked a little bit about what's positive about hitting rock bottom, but let's just paint the picture of how difficult this can be and kind of what it might feel like and what people might 
go through emotionally and, and, um, and mentally with this process of, you know, even grief involved with, oh, diets don't work. Wait a minute. What yes. does that mean for me? Right. That's a, that's an emotional thing. Yes. Yeah. So I have to highlight one of our colleagues, Meredith Noble. She has the best blog post on grief when it comes to recognizing that diets don't work. And I could talk about that blog post all day because what she says, she has four bullet points. I think they remember. I'll link to it. Are, Will you send yeah, it to me? Yeah. Yeah. She, yeah. Yes. Yes. I'll send it to you. Um, but basically she talks about how the process of grief is so important to go through to grieve the fact that the pursuit of weight loss is no longer helpful for you. And that can bring up, you know, so much about past and how much time someone has wasted with weight loss. It can bring up the fact that this is a body that I may live in, which of course our society tells us is wrong. And that can bring up a lot of grief for a lot of people. And it doesn't necessarily feel good. Like we're talking about hitting rock bottom as a positive thing. And I feel like looking back in hindsight is that's really true for a lot of people, but in the moment, it can feel like the toughest part of someone's life. Yeah, for that sure. this is just not what it's meant to be for them. Like they can feel like it's not what's meant to be. Absolutely. Okay, so let's link to that blog post so that people can check that out. I think grief and um, all the emotions involved with grief is really to be expected at this at this moment where someone's feeling a wide range of emotions when it comes to, okay, so I've, I've made peace with the fact that diets don't work. I'm convinced of it, but now what, and what does that look like for me? And what does that look like physically, emotionally, mentally, also like identity stuff? Like who am I if I'm not, if I'm not this person with this eating disorder, or if I'm not this person who is obsessed with nutrition or whatever it is, right? So oh, yeah, who identity is that's a huge piece of the puzzle because if you are choosing to give up the eating disorder, in a sense the eating disorder is usually there for a reason. You know, it's protecting someone most of the time for whatever it may be, whether or not it's mental health, anxiety, body image control, you know, any anything that could be trauma. So I feel like giving the eating disorder up is almost inviting a new identity into your life, but that can be so scary. For a lot of people. Yeah. Okay. Is there anything else you want to say about the experience of rock bottom to paint the picture? Do you think we've done a good job or? I think we've done a great job hitting of explaining what hitting rock bottom means, but I would love to hear from listeners too. You know, I think that sharing their personal story of rock bottom, especially if it's been a while, like I feel like time usually does heal. It might be really inspirational for others to hear stories about how people have hit rock bottom, but come out on the other side. Oh, that's a good idea. Maybe I could put it out to people if they want to email, um, email me their rock bottom. And if they want me to share it either, um, anonymously or not, I could maybe come up with a little blog series and, and have a place to kind of where people can refer yeah. to and not feel so alone. I would love yeah. that. Oh, that's a great idea. Great okay, idea. So just really quick, the email is hello at positive-nutrition.com. And just let me know if you want me to share it anonymously or or how you'd like me to share. Okay, oh, so Jennifer, let's, <laughs> let's talk about some particular aspects of if someone's identifying as, okay, yes, I have hit rock bottom. Um, let's talk about some common thing like a common experiences that pe people might have or or steps people might be able to take to kind of start working through that um obviously we're going to recommend treatment and you know getting in with professionals but let's talk about some practical things that people might be able to do to kind of begin the process of freeing yourself from this diet rock bottom Yes. So one of the most important things that I think people can do is to find connection. I think that that is always so important. And whether or not it's connection with other people or just connection with yourself, I think that that's a personality thing. I talk a lot about introvert versus extrovert. But the connection to whatever you want to find a connection with is going to really help you with the first steps of eating disorder treatment. Because a lot of times the eating disorder stuff thrives in secrecy. So when you have connection and you have support, it almost breaks the cycle 
sometimes for a lot of people in the sense that if they have a binge and then suddenly like the next day they get up and they're like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? What am I going to, how am I going to live today? Like I just had this horrible, horrible day yesterday. Having the connection will help either distract, which is really important sometimes from the emotional stuff or just feel like they're supported in the sense that that person is going to have a better day today, have a life where they want to live and do specific coping strategies to help them through the emotion. I want to say like emotional turmoil almost. Yeah. I love that. So connection, you could think about that externally or internally, or it could be both, right? It could be, yes. okay. And in most cases, it probably will do best with both. Like more connection is the answer because the eating disorder, like you said, thrives in secrecy, but also tends to make you want to isolate and remove yourself from yourself and or from other people. So so connection is a really, really good point that that's, that's something to start to become aware of and to kind of see where you could work on connection in your life. Yeah, definitely. I love it. So you started talking about like binging and let's say, let's, let's paint the picture. So let's say someone is struggling with binging and they wake up the next day after just a, a huge binge and they're just feeling all the feelings physically and emotionally as a result of that. Like, what, what could someone do on a practical level to kind of work through that? Yeah. So I always say that the binge eating cycle is fueled by dieting and fueled by restriction. Because if you think about like a picture in front of you at the top is usually dieting, followed by some sort of restriction, followed by some sort of trigger, which then equals a binge. So in order to break the cycle, you absolutely should try as hard as you can to not start that restriction process over again the day after a binge. And I know that that feels so good for people. They just like, that's like erasing it almost not eating the next morning. It feels good because it's getting rid of some of that anxiety, but I would recommend a hundred percent to have breakfast the next morning. That really, really helps to break the cycle because if you can get your metabolism started and get some fuel in your body, it's going to help that whole entire day of not only the digestion, but hormones and feelings, emotions, like everything to really set you up for having fuel, which helps to break the binge eating cycle. Yeah. And, and so rem remember how we talked about how hitting rock bottom and really knowing that diets don't work can actually be really positive. To me, this is one example of that. So if you wake up the next day and your, your tendency when you're in the diet mentality is make quote, make up for it or skip breakfast or don't eat all day or whatever it is that comes up for you. If you can identify, oh yeah, that's totally diet mentality. Well, I'm convinced diets don't work. So if I am engaging in, in diet mentality right now, I have to know that long-term this is not going to lead to peace for me. So I have to try something different. So yeah. like you said, yeah, getting up, eating breakfast and, um, you know, today's, today's a new day. It doesn't, you don't need to make up for something that happened yesterday. Yes. And, and today is a new day to practice. Like either if you're working with a dietitian, practice the meal planning skills that you're working on. If you're working with therapists, practice the coping skills that you're working on. Today is a day to really just put yourself in an uncomfortable position because coping skills don't feel all wonderful all the time, but using the skills that you've learned to make your uncomfortable a little bit more comfortable. I'd also add that for some of my clients, um, this will feel really scary, but but it's actually really effective. So let's, for some of my clients, it works really well the next day to actually plan to eat the thing that maybe you binged on the night before. So like including it in your day where you're eating, you're, you're not hiding this food, you're not eating it in a shameful way. So let's say like, it was potato chips the night before. Well, in as like you were saying, with your meal planning skills and things that you're working on, could you work in potato chips with your lunch that, that next day? And that's sort of kind of training your brain. This, this is not a bad food. This is not a food that I have to associate every single time I eat it. It equals complete chaos and all these feelings, all these emotions. Um, I, ca I am capable of eating some potato chips in a reasonable, you know, fun way that feels good and that doesn't lead to, um, you know, binging. So that might be, yes. that might be helpful for some that might not, but take it if it works, you know? 
Yeah. I actually, so I hear this a lot in our world from some people that just say like, eat whatever you want. It doesn't matter. Eat whatever you want. It doesn't matter. But I actually think that is such a really good meal planning tip for a lot of people. You, yes, we do want people to eat whatever they want, but usually that is the end goal of the process. And sometimes people can't necessarily jump to that without doing something like you just said, in terms of having a balanced meal with part of that meal being the binge food. And I think that that sometimes is step number one for a lot of people. Yeah. And I think like mentally and brain wise, it's really positive to kind of teach your brain this food can be eaten out in public in the midday with all kinds of other foods in, you know, in addition to the other things I'm eating at lunch, this doesn't need to equal a binge food necessarily, you know? Yes. Yes, absolutely. And side note, the eat whatever you want thing, like I think that's an oversimplified (laughs) version of a very complex topic. And um, I, I, so another thing I'm really passionate about, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. I'm really passionate about the fact that I don't think that the non-diet space is a monolith. So like, we're not all the same. We don't all think about this stuff the same way. We don't all approach it the same way. We don't all have the same opinions about everything. Um, and and sometimes I, I get a little bit, like I kind of cringe sometimes when I see people that I really respect and I think they're awesome, but I just don't agree with everything they say, or I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say it that way. I'm sure people see stuff that I say and have the exact same reaction, like, oh, I don't like that. And guess what? It's okay, right? So the the eat whatever you yes. want thing for me doesn't resonate. Um, it does on a certain level, but I just think we need to explore more of the complexities of that for it to actually be helpful for for most people who are who are new to this stuff. It's just it's not enough to say eat whatever you want. That's that's usually highly unhelpful. Yeah. I, so what you said is such a good point. I feel like there's so many of us that agree on. of what's out there, which is awesome. But we all have different ways of saying things because of number one, our experience with food ourselves, you know, number two, our experience with our clients, number three, how we approach the world. And it's all a great thing. You know, it's okay to have different opinions. And that probably is one of the top discussions and topics that a lot of people do have different opinions about, which is fine, which is totally great. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I agree. Um, And I just, I love the freedom. I love like giving people who are either, you know, veterans at this approach or new to this approach. I love giving people the freedom. Like you don't need to necessarily align with every single thing that comes out of my mouth or your mouth or someone else's mouth. It's okay to kind of like wrestle with it and see what you think about it and give it some time. Um, Because I don't think we all need to agree about every single little thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. And ultimately, what works for you? I mean, I think that that is really what intuitive eating is all about. That is what a non-diet approach is all about. Like, everyone is going to have a different life. What works for that person is really the best outcome for each individual. Absolutely. So yeah. that is that is such an important point, that this isn't about checklists and doing this just right and following this plan, right? If we're doing that, we're no different than a diet. So we have to take a step back and be like, is this working for me in my life, given what's important to me, given my budget, given my personality? And what works for you with food will look a lot different than what works for me and what works for somebody else. And that's cool. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I love it. Okay. One thing I really want to hit on, I'm excited to chat with you about is the scale. So when it comes to hitting diet and body image rock bottom, I think we really need to have a chat about the scale. Um, That's not something that I've talked a lot about on my actual podcast. I do talk with my clients all the time, but I would love to hear your just initial thoughts. What do you, how does someone navigate the scale when they're like, ah, this diet stuff is not working, but I weigh myself every day and it's an important (laughs) part of my life. Yes, I know. 
how many times do we hear that story in private practice? I feel like all my clients usually say that to me. So it's so common. So I, yeah, so I, I always ask someone, does weighing yourself feel good? I think that's the number one question that we want to ask our clients because most of the time the answer is no. Most of the time we weigh ourselves because we either want to lower our anxiety or we're curious about it and we want to see a number and we usually don't see that number. And it's just usually a negative experience for a lot of people. I remember I heard an analogy once, and I can't remember for the life of me actually who said this. It was not me, so I don't want to take credit for it. But someone said weighing yourself is like playing the slot machines at the casino, how you see so many people around you, quote unquote, winning. So a lot of times that means like if you see people around you like, oh, I lost weight, I lost weight, I lost weight. You see that all the time from people. But at the end of the day, the house always wins. The house takes your money. Like it's it. the scale is not a thing that is positive for a lot of people. So you might think that it is because you see a lot of that around you and in the media and on social media and people talk about weight loss, but when it comes down to it, it's usually not a helpful tool for a lot of people because it doesn't make you feel good. Jennifer, that's such a good point. I I want to just highlight one thing you said that I think will really resonate with people is so you said, does weighing yourself feel good? And I think that that's a really great question, but it also might be a little bit confusing because they're like, yeah, it, it relieves my anxiety like in the moment, right? So in the moment, it might feel really good to just know and just not be curious anymore and whatever it is. But long term, I think when you, when we're thinking, does it make me feel good? I think we have to remember we're not talking immediately, we're talking long term, what does it look like in your day when you weigh yourself? Um, What does it look like? Is it on your mind? Is it I I always like to tell my clients, like, no matter what you see, it's going to mess with your head, right? If it's, if it's lower than you thought, you'll be like, woohoo, awesome, go me, I'm the best, I can eat whatever, or, or I want to keep going. I mean, either way, it's like, it's gonna mess with your head, whether it's up, down, the same. Um, so yeah, that that yes, anxiety relief that. point that you made, like that weighing yourself is likely more of just a way to sort of ease your anxiety in the moment. I thought that was such a good point. Yeah, thank you for that. Thank you for that clarification because that is actually really important. Yeah, sometimes in the short term it can relieve your anxiety, but in the long term it's usually not the best coping skill to <laughs> relieve your anxiety. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, that's, I just want to say, like, that's just such a good point. If, if people are assessing the scale, uh, what is it really about for you? Is it about, is it about knowing? Is it about anxiety relief? Is it about, quote, health? Um, I think, I think most people will really identify with, oh, yeah, there's just this feeling of anxiety. And I just got to know. And then I do it and I feel a touch of relief. And so it's almost like a little bit um, self-perpetuating, right? Because yes. then you, that relief of anxiety, you feel a little bit better. <sighs> okay. But then it builds up again and then you do it again. And it's like an, it's like an emotional roller coaster, right? Yeah. 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 No, I agree. It really is like an emotional roller coaster. Yeah. Okay. Great point. I love that. So, um, what do you, what do people do if they're like, okay, yeah, I, it is an anxiety thing for me, but what do you want me to do? Just like not weigh myself? <laughs> How would you answer that question? Well, yes. So so I would say this is a very personal decision that has a lot to do with where you are in your own journey. So if what I say doesn't work for you, that's totally okay. But sometimes I like to say, have your scale take a vacation, you know, either hide it or give it to your dietitian. If you're working with a dietitian, have them keep it for vacation. Um, Sometimes I think that that's really great just to experiment. How does it feel? Like, can you let go of the actual number for a specific amount of time to experiment to see if it feels better for you? Yeah. So what you're saying is it doesn't need to be like a long-term commitment, like for the rest of my life, I will never, ever do this. I mean, it could be, but, but if that brings a lot of concern and a lot of feelings up for you, yeah, I love your idea of can you give it just a certain amount of time to say, hey, how about I just get really curious about how I feel and where my thoughts are when I just give myself a little bit of a break? How, how do I feel? Yeah. What does my eating look yeah. like when that number isn't looming over me all day long? Exactly. Exactly. I think that's I, – I really love that because I find that when people feel like they need to make this huge change and commit to it forever, that just ends up – not really working very well. So yeah. yeah. 
it's the all or nothing mm-hmm. mentality that so many people have. So that's just another example of living in the gray, living in the gray area. I love it. And so let's say someone lives in the gray and they say, okay, for the next month, I will take a break from my scale and I will just really try to connect to my body and work on this connection stuff that I heard Paige and Jennifer talk about. And I'm going to seek out treatment and I'm going to just get this going. And then a month is up and they're like, okay, I, I feel like I'm curious. And they hop on the scale. I, w- I just want to say, and I would love to hear your thoughts. I just want to say when you do that, when you kind of experiment with what does it feel like after I've t- taken a break and I try again, notice what does your day look like? What are your, where are your thoughts? Do you notice a difference on days you weigh yourself and days you don't? Is it, is it actually helping you live the life you want to live? I would encourage you to ask yourself that question. Um, go ahead. What would you say? Yes. No, I, I you said it better than me. <laughs> I, I love that. It's like, is, is weighing yourself contributing to a life that you really want to live? And I think for a lot of people, it's the answer is really like hopefully finding other things that they can do to relieve some of that anxiety if they do have anxiety about body image. And I think it's also practicing some of the skills that make you feel better about your body right now, whether it's self-care or a completely different coping skill for something else. I think that that is really what people need a lot of the time in order to feel better about themselves. Mm, I love it. So I, I hope that people hear us explaining this the concept of a, of the scale with a lot of gentleness, a lot of nuance, a lot of gray, kind of like you were saying, because I think sometimes, especially when you're all your education about about intuitive eating or eating disorder recovery is coming from um, Instagram or online spaces, I feel like we can get really rigid and like really black and white, like never ever weigh yourself ever again. And while I agree that that's probably going to be beneficial for most people, it's going to work better when someone can feel the freedom to sort of explore it themselves rather than this like rigid black and white yeah. rule, right? Yes, I agree. So some of my clients who I've had these conversations with about the scale, they'll say, really? Do you talk to your other clients about this? Am I the only one that that the scale just like runs my life and it's so frustrating for me? What would you say to that person? I would, so, well, first of all, I would say you are not alone. <laughs> I feel like I have this scale conversation with so many of my clients. And I feel like if I could get everyone together, I feel like they would be so helpful in the sense that most of the time people would say to other people like, oh, you don't ever need to weigh yourself. It's no big deal whatsoever. And then they can't necessarily do it for themselves. So I don't know if other clinicians see that, but I do. I, I wish I could put my clients together because sometimes they they need to hear it from other people in order to really believe it for themselves. But it is so important for people to realize that weight is not your worth. Weight is not going to be the end all be all for how you feel as a person. It shouldn't be. I know society sometimes does put that in a different light at times, but it really is so important to try as hard as we can to just let weight be weight and that's it and not attach value to it because I feel like that's where the shame comes in for so many people. Mm, Great point. And that actually brings up another thing I wanted to talk about. So just to kind of reiterate where we are in the conversation, we've, we've highlighted what diet rock bottom looks like. We talked about maybe good things that can come from it and also just a really true, real experience of how difficult it can be. And now we're kind of trying to explore some things that people can actually do on a practical level. So we've said, work on connection. We've said, look at your scale usage and kind of assess whether or not you might be able to take a break from it and experiment with that. Um, One other thing that I think is really relevant in context of talking about things that people can actually practically work on is this idea of, you know, it's sort of almost a cliche in our spaces, but we talk so much about encouraging our clients and people who are working on this stuff to put weight loss on the back burner, to kind of try as hard as they can to make their eating and their moving and their resting and their hydration and their self-care practices sort of independent of weight loss goals. Um, 
I'd love to hear your thoughts about this. First of all, why is it important to try to work on putting weight loss on the back burner? And then second of all, what does that look like? How does a person do that? It's a tough question. Yeah. No, it is a tough question. I think when it comes to rock bottom, so much of the time weight loss and the pursuit of weight loss is the thing, the catalyst almost for rock bottom for a lot of people and the catalyst to their disordered eating patterns. So I feel like if you can put weight loss on the back burner, people can really focus on what to do, connecting to their body that feels best for them and make it more internal rather than external. Because I feel like a lot of times the pursuit of weight loss is very external in the sense that other people tell you what to do and how to eat and how to move. And you're not necessarily connecting to the inner part of you. That is like the intuitive part of you that needs that connection in order to know what's right for your body. So I think putting weight loss on the back burner can really help in anyone's intuitive eating journey because it just highlights the inner part of what we want people to connect to. But I think then people say, well, how do I do that? (laughs) Right? Like how do I actually put weight loss on the back burner? So I think body image work, can talk about for every single body. I don't care if you are size on the lower spectrum or size on the higher spectrum. I feel like so many people come to my private practice and need help with body image, no matter what size they are. Body image work can be so valuable for anyone that's struggling with disordered eating and body image issues. And that is something that is so important to highlight now and do the work now um, to feel better in your body. Like even if it's just a little bit to feel a little bit better in your body right now, no matter what you weigh. Yeah, that's such a good point. I love that. So so the the big thing that I loved about what you just said was that if if pursuing weight loss is what brought you to rock bottom, you probably need to work on letting go of that and but i also want to yeah. specify that that does not mean you let go you necessarily need to let go of your um your value of maybe you value health and that health yeah. and pursuing weight loss are different things right so sometimes we Definitely, we get them yeah. confused and so we think when when we hear someone like me say let go of of weight loss or put that on the back burner sometimes people hear what? You don't want me to care about my health? And um, that's one thing I love about being a dietitian is it's usually very easy to bring people back and, and remind them like, wait a minute, I became a dietitian because I care about that. And I, I care about your health. I really, really do. So this just might be the healthiest thing you've ever done is putting weight loss yeah. on the back burner and really trying to kind of work on separating health from diets. They're not the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So beautifully said. Okay. Thank you. That's very nice of you. (laughs) Um, But I also want to say like body image work is so critical with this. And also I like to remind people that putting weight loss on the back burner isn't something you do what like one moment you're like, oh, epiphany. It's so easy. Now I just don't think about weight loss. Like that's not what it looks like, right? It looks like a practice. (laughs) It looks like a daily sort of reminder or maybe meditation practice or maybe writing or maybe you know weekly therapy and weekly visits with your dietitian like it's normal and okay if you need to be reminded that you're slipping back into that um you know diet mindset that's that's really not serving you so this is a practice it's something that you can learn it's something that you can work on but it's not something that you figure out in in one second you know no, no, absolutely not. Yeah. And it also doesn't mean that once once you have really worked on putting it on the back burner, it doesn't mean that weight loss thoughts never creep back in, right? Yes. Oh, no, people people struggle with that for a well, I don't want to I don't want to generalize, but most people struggle with that for a long time. It's not something that's easy to navigate and just say like, oh, okay, I'm done with that idea. Like it, people do really go back and forth a lot with struggling about weight, and that's why the professional help is so important because they can hear the message from a, in a different way, no matter what's going on in their life. And the professional is really going to help them figure out like, okay, what are your values? What are some of the things that you really want out of this life? Like what does intuitive living mean to you? And then matching your nutrition goals to those goals that you have for your life. I love it. I love it. And just like you made the great point about how 
stepping on the on the scale can be like this temporary anxiety relief. I think it's important to do that same sort of introspection around um, around the weight loss thoughts yes. or you know so so yeah like engaging in dieting might relieve some anxiety in in the brief moment right but but long term it just sends you right back to where you were with the rock bottom feeling so first of all it's normal to yeah. vacillate between these concepts it's especially if you've spent significant time in the diet mindset expect significant time to work through it you know yes yes it is a journey full of ups and downs yeah Okay, awesome. So you and I both talk about helping people heal their relationship with food. That's kind of my favorite way to describe what I do because sometimes people in my personal life, when they find out I'm a dietitian, they're like, how do I lose five pounds? And I'm like, um, <laughs> stop, stop. Can I please just eat this cookie in peace? Anyway, um, so that's kind of one way I like to just kind of explain what I do for work. And I think really what the process of working through diet rock bottom looks like is working on that, right? It's working on healing your relationship with food. I love the metaphor of relationship. I think it's super powerful and there's so much we can learn from it. I'd love to know, what do you think healing your relationship with food looks like? How do you conceptualize that process? Yes. Well, so I think, first of all, that can mean so many different things to many different people. So whatever your definition is of healing your relationship with food, I want you to really think about that as an overall picture. But then underneath that umbrella, think about what are the things that you want to do to have a really great relationship with food. So whether or not it's challenging yourself with different foods, whether or not it's being mindful, whether or not it's challenging like the food police and what you quote unquote should eat, everyone's going to have kind of a different story. So it's getting comfortable with kind of challenging your uncomfortable parts that kind of ruin your relationship with food. And I think processing that out, whether or not it's with a treatment team or with just people that you find that are your supportive circle, I think that that is so important for anyone to do. Oh, that's so great. That's such a good way of, of putting it. Um, yeah. Getting comfortable with with being uncomfortable, getting yeah. getting more familiar with the the feeling of discomfort, like just getting more tolerant to the uncertainty and the discomfort and the uncomfortable feelings that are associated with changing and growing and progressing and and expanding who you are as a person. Right? It's it's not yeah. necessarily fun. <laughs> <laughs> If only it was fun. I know. <laughs> the time, right? There are no, parts that are fun. It's it's not necessarily fun. But I think that that's one of the things that I'm so passionate about when it comes to self-care. Like not all self-care are is like manicures, pedicures, and lunches mm. out to eat. You know, self-care is really figuring out what's going to work for your life. And sometimes it's having those hard conversations, but it's usually worth it, you yeah. know, to have those, the hard things in your life that are worth doing. Oh, that's so true. I love that. <sighs> okay, so what else would you want people to know about hitting rock bottom and working through it? Hopefully, we've given people some practical things to do. Definitely want to plug, you know, getting get, getting resources, getting support, whether that's community or courses or groups or individual work or all of the above. Um, what else would you want to say? Is there yeah. any holes in what we've talked about that you want to fill in? No, I just want to say one last time, I know we've said this before, but it's worth it. You know, going through the ups and downs and going through the journey, it's worth it to experience that. And it really is life-changing. Like I always say, intuitive eating changes lives. It's not just the food that we eat. It's the life that you live. So I think that that's so important for people to remember because sometimes when you do go through rock bottom, it doesn't all feel good like we were talking about before, but it is always Oh, that's, yeah, I love that. Thanks for that message of hope. I think yeah. so often what's what's so difficult about that rock bottom feeling is like we mentioned, there's the grief for sure and all of what's associated there. But but I think you just touched on another big element of what's so hard is that that lack of hope, right? Yeah. So so if people if people can see light at the end of the tunnel and they know that it's worth it and they know that it'll be hard, but things will be better on the other side, I think that's a really critical yeah. part of like getting the, like mustering up the courage and the energy to start this, this journey. 
Yes. Yes. So important. This has been a lovely conversation, Jennifer. Thank you so much for all your insight. I've loved it. Oh, thank you, Paige. It was so it was so great to be here. I'm so thankful to be on the show and helping everyone with our topic. I think it was such a great topic. Oh, thanks. Yeah. So before we go, will you just take a minute and tell people about how to keep in touch with you, how to follow along with your work and what you offer? Yes. So for any client, especially anyone in the local New York area, uh, my private practice website is eatwithknowledge.com. But my main online focus right now are professionals, like we talked about before. And I will share some big news with you, Paige. This is actually probably the first time it's going to be out there in the internet world, is that (laughs) I am starting a podcast for professionals. Yes, it's going to be called Pursuing Private Practice. This episode will probably be out well, it will be out before my show is actually out in the world. But if you want to follow along, it's pursuingprivatepractice.com. And you can sign up for my newsletter. You know, there's lots of different resources there about building a business and specifically building a weight-inclusive business. Um, And you will also be the first to know when my podcast is released. So I'm hoping August. Fingers crossed for August. Okay, good luck with that. And just also, I should mention, you have a whole online course about starting a private practice, right? Yes, yes. So so Pursuing Private Practice for Intuitive Eating is my program that is really meant for the dietitian that wants to build an intuitive eating private practice. So it goes through all the different business fundamentals that you need. It goes through nutrition counseling, goes through accountability and mentorship, which is really important. So we have lots of different opportunities to connect within the group. So I love my program. Yeah, I get my, that my question awesome. a lot, like a lot, a lot, a lot. So that's why I wanted to highlight um, – sending people your way just because you already have something ready to go. And I don't always have the bandwidth to be able to answer questions about it. So thanks for building that resource. Yes. Thank you. So it's pursuingprivatepractice.com. You can find out more information there if you're interested. Okay. And I will link to that in the show notes too, as, as, um, in addition to your practice website and then also Meredith Noble's, um, article about grief. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining me, Jennifer. This was so fun to chat with you and I've just loved our conversation. Thank you, Paige, so much for having me. Well, I sincerely hope you've enjoyed this conversation. If you haven't already, please go ahead and leave a review on iTunes. Thanks again so much for listening and we'll see you soon for another episode.